Amen. What a blessing to celebrate the Lord. And today, as we continue with our worship, we're going to do so in the Word of God. But actually, you know what? I, I forgot to do something really important. It's good to have people who actually hold me accountable to this stuff. Thank you, Ernie, for standing back there. We're going to go ahead and take up our morning tithes and offering at this time. So let me pray for the offering first, and then the, the plates will be passed. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give back just a portion of what you've blessed us with. You've been so generous to us. I pray that you'd be honored today as we give. I know that uh, maybe I was about to forget, but I know this is important. And I just pray today that you would be honored as we offer just a small portion of your generosity back to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think my treasurer was about to have a heart attack back there. So it is a blessing to be able to celebrate with you today and to be able to spend time in God's word. And I'll... uh, uh, actually, let me cover an announcement real quick while the offering is uh, offering plate is being passed. Um, on the 15th, uh, the BYF group will be taking a trip to the Billy Graham Library, and uh, they have rented a charter bus, and they are trying to fill the spots for that. Uh, and there are about 10 spots that remain to be filled, so if you would be interested in being a part of that trip, uh, if you would either see Miss Barbara Woody or Pastor Wiggins, either of those two, they would love to be able to get you connected so that you can be a part of that. So that'll be on the 15th, and we would love to have as many people as possible be able to go for that trip. Um, I know that it will be a treat for you. Actually, they, they always eat good food everywhere they go, so I would imagine that is going to be a part of their trip as well. So, again, I apologize for for getting the offering. That's not a good pastor. If a pastor forgets to take up the offering, that's like the, it's just the way it is. Hey, according to Micah chapter 6, verse 8, there's a question that's asked, what does the Lord require of you? And I've been using this passage for several weeks with you now. There is a very clear answer that's given. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those three responses, those three principles can be applied to every area of the Christian life. Every choice that we make, every attitude that we display, it ought to display us acting justly, us loving mercy, and us walking humbly with our God. I will tell you, there are some areas that's very easy for us to connect this with, and then there are others that I'm not sure we really think about it from a spiritual standpoint. One of those areas where that happens is in finances. Sometimes we simply handle our money and we don't worry about what God thinks or what God has recommended for us. We do it the way we were taught. Our parents did it this way and therefore we do it. Or maybe we've had experiences and we've just decided that our way is the best way for handling money. But the truth is God's word is very clear as to what he expects us to do with the resources that we have. I will tell you that poverty comes in many shapes and sizes. For example, one is unemployed, another works full-time, yet has far too many mouths to feed. Both experience poverty. One has barely enough food to eat or perhaps not even a roof over his or her head. Another has a million-dollar home, yet they're in debt up to their eyeballs. The unfortunate reality is that each one of us has probably felt the weight of financial stress at some point or another. In fact, it's pretty typical of the society in which we live. As a matter of fact, I found a picture online that I think illustrates the condition of most American families. Can you put that up there for me? 
In regard to our finances, far too many of us have become like this. We have so many things and we have so much need, and I use the term need very loosely, that here we are, we're we're weighted down and we're like the donkey who's stuck up in the air and can't get his feet on the ground so that he can move anywhere with the load. Far too many of us have allowed financial burdens to weigh us down and to keep us from moving forward and being the people that God called us to be. We are out of control financially. Well, I'd love to tell you that this only happens to those outside the church, but that is simply not true. In fact, statistically speaking, according to the most recent polling data, 91% of Americans live in debt. That does not include home loans, but simply in debt. The primary culprit is credit card debt with an average interest rate of nearly 13%. And then listen to this, an average balance of $15,799. This does not even include... Things like school loans, home loans, medical bills, or vehicle payments. Just credit card debt, $15,799. The unfortunate reality is that most Americans will pay more for interest per month than what they will on their actual living expenses. That means that when you go to write out your check, for your credit card payment. You will pay more for your interest than what you will for your electric bill, for your phone bill, for whatever else. The average American will spend more on interest than they will on their living expenses. Something is wrong when we reach that point. I want to begin today's message in Luke chapter 16. If you would, you can go ahead and turn there already. And we'll move around just a little bit with a lot of what I share coming from the book of Proverbs today. God's word very clearly has defined for us exactly how we are to handle our money and exactly the way we should be looking at money. Because the reality is most of us do not look at money the way we ought to. First, in Luke 16, Jesus tells the story of a money manager who is about to lose his job and realizing what is about to take place, he comes up with a plan. I will tell you, it is dishonest and he's not the guy that any of us would want handling our money or working for us. He apparently worked for a man who had a great deal of resources. In fact, other people appear to have owed him a great deal of money. We read beginning in verse 3 and 4, it says this, The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Now, he then proceeds to forgive debts. Notice that he does not ask the master if this is okay. He simply begins to forgive debts, at least partially. What he's doing is to try to gain favor of these debtors so that when he has lost his job, they will say, you know what, I remember this guy. I owed $1,000 and he made it $800 for me. I remember this guy. He's a nice guy. You know what, let him come and work for me. I'll bring you on. Since you did me a favor, I can do you a favor. And what he's basically doing is, actually what he's basically doing is he's stealing from his master. 
But what's interesting to me is as Jesus tells this story, Jesus doesn't stop and condemn this money manager. It's not because it was okay that he was dishonest. In fact, if you remember from our verse in Micah 6.8, the first thing we're called to do is to act justly. And to work dishonestly with money is not acting justly. But Jesus commends him instead, not for the dishonesty, but because he was shrewd. Now, when we hear the word shrewd, we think of something that is negative. We think of someone who basically they rip people off. They're trying to sneak in and do things they're not supposed to do. Actually, that's kind of what this guy is doing. But what Jesus says is this. This guy made great use of what he had. He actually says that the church ought to be more like that in that we ought to be taking advantage of the opportunities that sit in front of us. I will tell you that God has blessed every person in this room, and we need to make good use of what he has blessed us with. He has blessed us in so many different ways, sometimes in the area of finances, but sometimes it's not in the area of finances. But you must be a good steward. You must make good use of the resources that he has given you, every single one of us. As we become shrewd, making the best use of what God has given us, we need to do four things. The first one is this. We must put physical possessions in proper perspective. The first part of this is what we talked about last week. We need to begin by realizing that everything we have truly belongs to God. It's about ownership. All of the resources that you have, before you had them, they belong to God. He simply has given them to you so that you can use them for his glory. In this context, we find an interesting idea. If everything truly belongs to God, then every decision, financial decision, is actually a spiritual decision. I think at times we've sort of separated our finances from our spiritual condition. It's as if, you know, I take care of my money and I do these things over here and then I take care of my spiritual life. But here's the problem. If everything you're taking, over, taking care of over here belongs to God, isn't that also a spiritual decision? Every decision that you make actually impacts the kingdom. Every decision you make, you are being a steward with his resources. Therefore, if it really belongs to God, it's a spiritual decision. The second part of this is realizing that we can be content regardless of how much or how little we have. In 1 Timothy 6, 8, Paul declares that if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Can you say the same thing? If today you looked in your bank account and you realized I have nothing, but I have food on the table, I have clothing to wear, would you be okay with that? The truth is, many today would say, yes, I'd be okay with that. But man, we'd go into panic mode the moment it happened. Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17 declares, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. In other words, you're better off with less as long as you have the Lord in your life. 
tell you the truth, there's going to be times that you're not going to have all of the resources in the world, but you're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he will be the one to satisfy you. Far too many of us, even in the body of Christ, have put our faith in our money. We've put our faith in our possessions and the things that we have access to. When in reality, we need to put our faith in him. If you had, if all you had was God and just enough to provide for your basic needs, would you be okay with that? Ron Blue in his book, Master Your Money, says that most Americans will not. He suggests that most Americans will not see themselves as successful unless they have enough money to do what they want when they want it. Does that sound maybe like the world that you live in? Let me just state that within this mindset is a problem. You see, our satisfaction is found in our financial resources and our material possessions, but it ought to be found in him. And by the way, I do get it. For many of us, we see financial prosperity as evidence to God's blessing. Because of the fact that we're financially successful, that must mean that we've done something right and God's blessing us and he's providing. We look at different passages in scripture that call us to be faithful. And if you, will, if you are faithful, he says you will be prosperous. In Joshua 1.9, it actually calls us to be strong and courageous, to be faithful, to keep the law of God. And in everything, you will be prosperous and successful. We've automatically connected all prosperity with God's blessing, but the truth is, sometimes you can be poor and still have God's blessing. I think at times we've assumed you can't have one without the other. If you have God's blessing, you must be rich, you must be wealthy, you must be successful. But the truth is, you can still be blessed even if you do not have as much as others around you. Money is nothing more than a tool it is a tool that we can use to accomplish great things, but it is also a tool that God uses to sometimes teach us and to test us. The second point today is that we must recognize the difference between wants and needs. According to Proverbs 21:17, the love of pleasure and all kinds of materialism never leads to wealth. A simple application of this is that when you really want something and in your mind you allow it to become a need, you'll spend almost whatever you have for the sake of getting it. Want spending shows up in various ways. One way is with impulse spending. When you go to the store and you see something, you think, oh, I just got to have that. Now, you went there for this item, but you know what? You saw this thing. You thought, no, I really need this. Well, did you need it when you came in? Probably not. I will tell you that most marketers today, they have become very, very good at encouraging impulse spending. They place products in just the right position so that you see it and you think to yourself, you know what, I really need that. I didn't realize I need it, but I really do need it. Another aspect of this is the way things are marketed, even on television, there is this idea that everybody else has it and you need it. As a dad, I, is my daughter in here? All right, I'm going to call her out for a minute. I remember her coming to me, telling me that all of my friends at school have cell phones already. Now, she may be telling me the truth, 
but she may not. Not because she's not telling the truth, but simply because we assume everybody else has it. And if everybody else has it, then that means I need it too. And what happens is we become far more centered on the things that we want, thinking that they have become a need, when in reality they're certainly not. We need to be able to distinguish the difference between a want and a need. Let me suggest a great exercise in determining the difference between needs and wants. First, make a list of all the things that you might purchase over the next 30 days, the next 60 days, the next 90 days, the next year. Of that list, which items can you truly live without? There is a big difference between wants and needs. Do I need that cell phone? Well, I'm an adult, and it seems like I do. Somehow I lived without it before we had cell phones. Do I need that new television? I don't know if I really need it. I mean, I would like to have it, but do I really need it? There are all kinds of things that we want, but don't confuse yourself by pretending that they're needs. There's a big difference. And don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those guys who thinks you can never have any of the wants in life. God blessed you with resources and enjoying those resources is a great thing, but don't confuse wants and needs with each other. They are very different things. There's a big difference between the two. In fact, if you are properly, if you properly use the resources God gives you, then you must manage your resources wisely. This is called budgeting. It's something that far too few of us participate in. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23 through 27 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. Basically, what this passage is saying is that we need to evaluate what we have. Do a little inventory. Find out what you have and then plan ahead. Proverbs 10.4 takes it a little further, declaring that if you are lazy, then you won't be able to accomplish those plans. That being said... Let's look at what a plan should actually look like. What does it look like when you put together a budget? I told you this doesn't sound like the most spiritual sermon. I told you guys last week. But remember, every financial decision is a spiritual decision. So it's important for us to realize this. We don't need to be slaves to our money. We don't need to be slaves to debt that comes because we don't have enough money. When in reality... There's one who has already set us free and he has given us all the resources we need so that we can walk in freedom. The first thing that I would encourage you to do as you establish a budget is to evaluate your present situation, to know what you have to work with. Based on your job, your work ethic, your family situation, all of the other things that come into play, what are realistic expectations for you and your family? For some of us, this will cause us to identify debts that need to be paid. Some of us have gotten ourselves so far into debt that getting out quickly is simply not going to happen. 
Others have done well with what you have, and the result is that you're trying to figure out what is the best way for me to use these resources to make a difference in other people's lives. You're not worried so much about acting justly with your finances because you've already done that. You've made the wise decisions, and now you're saying to yourself, how can I love mercy with my finances? How can I be a blessing to others? How can I pour into someone's life so that they can be better off? But we have to start with a self-evaluation. We have to be able to look and say, okay, where am I right now? Is this where I really want to be? The second thing that you must decide is, where do you want to be? This is important. We need to establish our financial goals. Do you want to retire in 10 years? Do you want to be debt-free in five years? Do you want to have a fully funded college fund? In 10, 12 years, I don't know how, it depends on how old your kids are. Then it's time for you to start a budget. It's not enough to say, well, I want to do this in 10 years. I want to do this in five years and just assume that it's going to happen. You know where you're at. You know where you want to be. Now you put a plan in place to make it happen. John Maxwell says that a budget is telling your money what to do instead of wondering where it went. And the truth is, for far too many of us, we have wondered where our money went. We live paycheck to paycheck because we have no idea how we could have spent all of that money as quickly as we did. I say we live paycheck to paycheck. Actually, usually it's about three days before the next paycheck. We need to do more than to live paycheck to paycheck. Putting a budget together is simple math. Ron Blue says that a proper budget is one that increases your cash flow margin. What does that mean? It's a phrase that simply means that you want more money coming in than you have going out. It's plain and simple. If you have more money coming in than you have money going out, what that means is you have money left over. And you can use that money for other things that you need. Here's the problem with that. I mentioned earlier that 91% of Americans live in debt, primarily credit card debt. That means that what we've been doing is the exact opposite. We've spent more than we had coming in. Well, that doesn't work for long. We can do it for only so long until even the credit begins to run out. But of course, there are alternative ways to create more cash flow margins so that you have more money coming in than going out. The first is to make more money. Although I do not recommend this for a long-term solution, I will tell you that sometimes taking a second job can be very beneficial, Uh, especially I think of some of our young people, Uh, some of you guys who are single, you don't have a family, maybe you do have a family, Um, a temporary second job can be a healthy thing. I will tell you that if you can do it, it's a great way to have more money come in, but be intentional. Here's the thing. Imagine for a moment that Jackie decides I'm going to take on a second job so that I can make more money. Sorry, you just happen to be sitting there in the right place. I'm going to take on a second job so that I can make more money to pay off more debts. You need to be intentional. Just because he works an extra 20 hours over the next two weeks does not necessarily mean he's going to pay off any extra debt. Actually, in reality, now that the money is coming in, he needs to be intentional to make sure that money goes to paying down that debt. It's not enough to just work extra hours. Make sure you use that money wisely, just like you're supposed to do with all of the other money. Or maybe for you, it's not 
getting another job, maybe it's getting rid of some of the junk that you've got. How many of you have something in your attic that's been there for 10 years, but you're afraid to get rid of it because you know the moment you do, you're going to need it. So it sits there in your attic and it sits there and it sits there when in reality, you could probably go on Craigslist and sell it for 25 bucks. I know you're saying 25 bucks. What good is that going to do? Well, it's 25 bucks that you can now put toward debts. 25 bucks that basically you're not going to miss it. You're not even going to know it's gone because you hadn't missed it for the last 10 years. Far too many of us have things that we'll never use again, and we'd just be better off getting rid of it. Now, there is a third option. You can increase your income. You can get rid of things that you don't need. But a third option is you could actually reduce the amount of spending that you participate on a regular basis. Now, I know this is really obvious stuff, but sometimes we just got to hear it from somebody else first. Do you really need a landline phone and a cell phone? Do you really need to run your air conditioning at 65 degrees? Now, I know some of you guys are saying, yes, pastor, I do. Do you really need to eat out five nights per week? What are some ways that you could cut back on your spending? The truth is, all of us, can change our spending habits. Either it's our spending habits or it's our income habits. But in doing so, what we do is we open up the door to now use, remember, God's money in a more effective way. I know that we talk about budgeting stuff, but talking about it is simply not enough. You go to any library, you go to any bookstore, And there are so many self-help sections, and one of them is always personal finances. But the truth is, God's already given us a recipe of how to do this. We simply need to do it his way. Stop living just for yourself. Remember, acting justly is us doing things his way. It's us being honest with the way we handle our money. It's us being shrewd with the way we handle our money, making the best of it, getting the best resources from it. Loving mercy is us saying, you know what? I want to do more with my money than just spend it on me. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to be able to use that money to change other people's lives. I had someone stop by the church this week. And by the way, I have no idea who it is. No idea. They put money in an envelope. And it simply said, to a family in need. This was on, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Is that right, Debbie? Wednesday or Thursday. They came by and they dropped this off. I got a phone call yesterday. Now, remember, they dropped this off on Wednesday or Thursday. They, they simply felt led to do this. I got a phone call yesterday from an individual who is a family that is in need. And wouldn't you know it? The amount that the individual gave on Wednesday or Thursday matched perfectly with the need that arose on Friday. That's what happens when we act justly, which opens up the door for us to now love mercy and to walk humbly with our God and allow him to guide and direct us. Far too many of us are too blinded by our debt to focused on our possessions or our financial resources to be able to actually love mercy and to walk humbly with our God in the area of finances. 
I will tell you that I could go on for probably another hour with you guys just talking about finances, personal money management, but I don't have time to do it. What I would like to do is to make uh, a resource available to you. Uh, First of all, one of the books that I used in preparation for today, it's a book that I've used for years. It's called Master Your Money by Ron Blue. And if you are a reader, I encourage you to go ahead and grab that book. A second resource that I would like to make available to you, and it will be on our website probably by midweek, we are going to put a sample budget on our website for you. And it'll be in an Excel spreadsheet format so you can basically begin that budgeting process. I think a lot of us talk about budgeting, but we just say, well, where do we begin? Well, I'm going to give you a resource so that you can make good use of that. Uh, That'll be on our website or on the app, regardless of which one you choose to use. So we want to make that information available to you. I will also tell you this. I know that there are many people you can talk to. But if you would like someone to just kind of walk alongside you, I don't care about your numbers. I don't care exactly how much money you have in your bank account. But I do want to at least make it available. If you need someone to help you to manage financial resources, there are two people in the church that have made themselves available. Kadar Hodges is our treasurer, and he is really good with money. And he is one of those guys that it would be a great benefit to be able to say, Kadar, can you help me set up a budget? I know that he would be glad to do that. Uh, In addition, I would be willing to do the same thing. So either of us, that would be available to you. All right, I want to close with a word of prayer, but then I say close, we're not really done. I want to close this section of the service with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in here today, of being able to worship you. And I know that the things we talked about today, they don't feel spiritual, but they are, because we are managing your resources. Lord, I pray today that you would make us good stewards. Help us to be the people that you called us to be and to manage the things wisely, to be shrewd, to make the use the best use of all the things that you've blessed us with, whether it be our talents and our abilities, the opportunities, or the financial resources. Help us to be good stewards so that one day when we stand before you, we will be able to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I want to be that faithful servant. I want to be one that you can depend on. Lord, I pray that all of us would be those people. We give you praise for what you do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.